produced by Podcast Architects. You're listening to the Lead On Podcast, where we discuss experiences in the armed forces while exploring lessons from military leaders. Howdy, welcome to another edition of Lead On, Lessons from Military Leaders. I'm David Deary with the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. Joining me today is Nathan Bricker. Nate uh, is a 20-year Navy veteran. He uh, retired, or we should say transitioned out of the Navy earlier this year as a E-8, what we call a senior chief in the Navy. Nate, good morning. Thanks for joining me today. How are things? Good morning, Dave. It was a pleasure to be here. Things are great. Um, still doing a lot of learning since I've uh, since I've transitioned out, but I um, know you're um, very well regarded, especially on the West Coast, and uh, so it's really a, a privilege for me to be here and, and hopefully get to help some people out. That's kind of what I want to dedicate my, my next chapter in life to, so thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, and, and as a uh, as someone who serves in the military, um, many veterans, in case people didn't know it or are tuning in, um, a lot of our desire is just to help uh, add value to other people. It, that that brotherhood and sisterhood of service, less than 1% of the public do it. And it's one thing that we tend to miss when we transition out is how we can continue to invest in the lives of the actively serving or those that serve. In fact, earlier today, I I met a young man who got out in 2015 uh, as an E5, and it's great just talking to him and getting to know him, but there's that instant connection. So uh, listen, Nate, be, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the conversation, where you know I, I, I really want to unpack and explore how, as you put it, how past rights are future, but I'd like to start things off by, you know, as leaders, um, before we are really leaders, we were given some sort of leadership advice by leaders. So what's the worst piece of leadership advice that someone ever gave you? Could be in, in the military, out of the military. Um, I, I, a lot of times it was it was to be humorous, but the, uh, the term fake it till you make it um, was a big one, mainly because I'm not a very good liar to begin with. So if, if I'm not doing well at something or uh, I'm not sure about something. If I'm not confident, it's it's really out there for everybody to see. I've always been kind of known for wearing my emotions on my sleeves. So if, if I'm not sure, um, there's no way I'm going to be able to, to fake it. And um, so really for me, it's just best to come out and say either I know it or I don't know it, um, you know, and then always come back to, well, I'll find the answer. Um, and that's kind of what we've pride ourselves in the chief's mess, as you know, is you know, ask the chief, that's not a literal term. Um, that's, Hey, let me, let me find it for you. And, and I won't stop until I do. You know, and, and as a leader, you know, first off, I agree with you. Uh, like you, um, I think much younger, I used to pride myself and, and, you know, I can BS my way out of most anything. Um, and maybe that's when there was a lot of gray area involved And the higher we go, the less gray area there is. Things become more black and white, if you will. And you can get more trouble faking it till you make it. Uh, and you can lose respect and you can, you know, and, and then, you know, it's no longer about you. You're representing, like you said, the chief's mess and your leadership and what have you. Uh, being very open, Komodo and transparent is always a safer way to to go. Um, and, you know, I'm going to I'm going to shift on, on that note. Uh, you know, it was, it was about two months ago when we were at our friend Ed Harrington's transition event, Ed has been a guest on the program as well, and a very transparent 06, uh, Navy captain. Um, but you know, when, when we were at that event, you had commented about, uh, 
you know, as a uh, when you're on active duty, you had an E5 um, working for you, and now as a civilian, you're working for that E5. Uh, so, in in a form of context, what what did you do on active duty? Because I think you had a really unique job that uh, there, there's only a handful in the Navy, and and ex- explain why that the relationship of that E5, and then and then you, you know when you talk about man, how could have if you were a fake it till you make it or weren't transparent, how that might have negatively impacted you? So I know that's a lot, but I'll give you a few minutes to answer that. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't expect you know I've always been a prepper. And so, um, kind of type of guy, you weren't going to get me, you know, by surprise in most cases. And so I really prepared hard to to transition out of the military and I knew I was coming to the job I was coming to, um, about three months before I retired. Um, and so there was a lot of, um, prior service and there was a couple guys there that had been at ACU five with me as well. Let me interrupt you. Can, Can you share with people since our audience we have military and non-military. What is ACU-5? Yeah, uh, Assault Craft Unit 5. So if you think of uh, uh, D-Day beach landings, um, so the hovercraft, what we call the LCAC, is, would have been a part of that. Um, and so it's a very tight-knit program. As you said, Dave, there's not a lot of people um, in, that pro- uh, in that program Navy-wide. And so you kind of know everyone. And so that can really be beneficial. It can really hurt you. Um, so I had a, a sailor who's now a civilian that, that works in, in my company and, um, I was relying on him to train me while I was there. And, um, you know, he told me when I got there, he goes, you know, you, you were always kind of stern, but fair. Um, he goes, and I was kind of, you know, he didn't use the word worried, but he used the word curious as to how this would transition. And I told him, I said, I, I can't tell you how, um, conscious I am of how I treat people. And, and yes, I know I'm fair and stern in times and kind of um, just kind of put it out there in your face, if you will. Uh, so, but I still try to make people known that I respect their opinions. Um, and, and then that part of my life is now over and I have to regain credibility in this part of my life now. And that kind of starts with you. Um, we have a great relationship, you know, and, and it's happened again since, since that. I've had to recently put on some um, applications for a longer term career I'm chasing. Um, and they're asking for subordinates, uh, as my, as my references rather, rather than, rather than, you know, superiors, they ask for those too. But so, you know, how you treat people makes all the difference in the world. And that's what people are going to remember anyway. And so I didn't get it right every time. Um, but I think for the most part, um, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As which, you know, so circling back to how your past writes your future, there's a great example, right? How your past on how you treated people, how you made people feel now now clearly i would hope that it, it's funny uh ed has shared stories um with people that have reached out to him to use as a reference that they did not have a great relationship with and he'd be like why why are you asking me for a reference so you wouldn't put somebody down that you had a bad experience with but you you know when you, you look at you know how your past writes your future you would hope that you can it, it would be a larger field of those that you had a positive experience with that you could tap into. Yeah. What if you didn't have anybody to put down? And, and, and those are, those are examples out there. If there's people that don't have anybody to put down for that reason. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about burning bridges and oftentimes I think uh, leaders consider bridge burning with seniors, but you can burn bridge, which bridges with subordinates and that, could almost be more damaging. Sure. 
Um, so what's been, uh, you know, transitioning out of the military, what's been one of the challenges for you? I miss the guys. I miss the, the locker room atmosphere a lot. Uh, as a matter of fact, this, and especially the last two years of COVID, you know, we, we do a lot of things within the chief's mess that are traditional and to our heritage. And we didn't get to do a lot of that the last two years. And so I really missed that a lot. Um, this past weekend, I ended up teaming up with my, my previous units, uh, chief's mess and doing a camp out with them. And it was just kind of good for the soul to, to be back with them. Um, but I got to pass a lot of this on to them too, um, because there's some things I didn't know um, prior to um, getting out. And one of them was leadership. I'd kind of, I won't say lost faith, but maybe I was a little bit over it um, before I retired. And now that I've been in the civilian world, um, I know how well we actually do it in the military and we don't get it right every day, but we do a, we do a good job of it. And it's just the fact that it's there and it's there as hard as it is 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 just awesome and so i got to share that with them this weekend and and so i miss i miss the camaraderie for sure so you know so so let's say we have people listening that are civilians and considering hiring a veteran so from what you know when you say we didn't what i infer is some of the way we lead in the military we get it more right than our civilian counterparts can uh, can you give us an example of what you think what the military gets right. So now if I'm doing a job interview, what the military gets right and how would you take that into an organization to help that organization grow uh, that could affect the culture as well as the bottom line? Yeah, I think some would argue sometimes that we, we might be a little bit of the micromanaging side in the military. Um, we know what our employees are doing, when they're doing it, who they're doing it with. I mean, we're not naive enough to think that we can't take them home with us. So we're not naive enough to think that we know everything that's going on. But we're, you know, we use this word a lot in the military, intrusive into what they're doing. Um, and it comes to the point to where I'm, I'm telling my sailors what I'm doing too. So that there's that two-way, that street, that credibility. Um, and the other part of it is, is we're living amongst each other a lot. So um, it's in our best interest to, to work as a family. Um, it's not that it's not important in the civilian side. It's just, it's, it's not required because you're not living that type of lifestyle and, and many, you know, um, in many jobs, you know, your life's not on the line. So, you know, it's just a matter of, they're great managers for sure. They can manage their time, but to have a proactive, um, understanding of your employees i think i think that's a huge benefit for us and i'm learning that now in my current company and it's a bunch of great people um but i'm, I'm taking on a, a training role here recently and it's because i i look at that as a way of leading and i know I've, i'm really drawn to that um and so i found the first opportunity i could and came into this company and said here's how i can help you and if you want to to continue to develop your company and put them on that you know a high level you've got to you know you got to be into, into your employees and, and how they're professionally and personally de developing. And, and they kind of take that and run with them and, and it, it won't reach everyone. We know that, but I think most see the intent. Yeah. So, you know, that's right in line with what the enlisted leadership foundation, what we promote as a relational leadership style. Um, you know, and I experienced the same when I transitioned out, you know, over seven years ago and the company that I work is, it's all about building relationships, building relationships within our organization with our employees, as well as those in which we serve. And not that we don't do that in the military community. We we do. But at a, uh, um, I think ACU, Cellcraft Unit 5, as well as 4 on the East Coast, is an anomaly and not the norm. 
because just like an aviation squadron, it's such a close knit group of, of men and women and you train together, you deploy together, you do it all together versus like with, where I was just on a, on so many ships, we were, we were a tight knit group on the ship, but it wasn't as tight, right? It wasn't as relational. You have your relationships with your friends, but not necessarily as a core. So, but I've seen a lot of benefit over the years of, as a command master, you learning how to be more relation, relational, being more open kimono and transparent. And, uh, I found that the more relational I was to sailors, the more likely they are going to come to me before they get in trouble versus after. Um, because when they come to us after the fact, it's like, well, it's not what I can do for you now. So to bring that in, you're right. The civilians, boy, it's like I'm here nine to five in the military. And that's just one of those intrinsic things that we bring to the civilian world is we're so used to building relationships with each other. Um, yeah, we can be a positional leader. Absolutely. They're going to listen to us because of our position, but we really want to be listened to because of who we are, not because of what we wear. Um, so I agree. So, you know, if you had a, in your time in service, if you had a magic wand, uh, what would you, what, what do you wish you could have, you know, changed? Well, it's, we, we always find things that we want to change. There's a lot of things we do change, but there's always those things that we, man, I just wasn't able to, maybe it's not something that I was in a position to, or maybe I just ran out of time. If you ask, um, I guess my circle friends, subordinates that I'm really close with, you know, they'll tell you I'm not a very philosophical guy, but I'll tell you what I've been talking about lately is just kind of having some emotional intelligence. Um, I didn't know that word probably for a long time, probably in the very latter part of my career within the last year. And so I wish I could have understood how people perceived me more, um, and, and kind of looked in the mirror a little bit more, um. I think I, you know, I was so passionate about the Navy. I, I, you know, and my brother was 13 years older than me. He was a Navy chief and I wanted to chase him and do everything that, that he wanted to do. And so when I came in, I was going to do it just exactly the way he did it. And, um, so I learned a lot about being my own self. Um, and, and that, that took some time too. I wanted to be a chief like him. I wanted to be a corpsman like him. And none of that happened at, at the timeline that I wanted it to happen. And it was always for the best, you know, that I looked back. So, um, I just kind of wish, you know, I would have figured that out a little bit sooner. Um, and then also kind of how, you know, my sailors and the ones around me perceive me because I could have curved a lot of situations and just, you know, um, it would have just been better. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't have really any huge regrets towards it other than, you know, you just, always want to be the best version of yourself as quick as you can be there. And so we're constantly learning. Which again, you know, how your past, right? Your future, how you, you, you reflect back on things that you could have done differently. And instead of dismissing it, you like, how, how can I still take some of that on board and, you know, emotional intelligence right up there with mental health. Sure. Right. Just the, the, um, I, I tell you over the last several years, just mental health becoming, uh, you know, bubbling up to the top, uh, which has been a, a really good thing. And I, I can't help but look back on how, um, because I didn't understand mental health, I tended to dismiss it um, uh, to a fault. And that's, and that's one of those things that, okay, uh, I can't change what I did in the past, but I can change how I respond to the future. Um, and, and I think that's so critical and, and something that we can all learn from. You know, we all, we all live with a certain level of regret, but you can't live in the past. You got to, you know, it's just like, you know, 
That's like bad leaders, you know. You don't want to emulate them, but don't forget what it was that they did that was bad so you don't do it yourself. Right, right. A lot of some of the best lessons were learned from from that. Right. Um, so, you know, how did you respond? Did you ever get chewed out in the Navy or did you have to ever chew anybody out? You know, what, what, <laughs> you know, how did that, how does that, you know, when you think of, you know, how the past shaped your future, you know, how did the butt chewing, you know, and, and do you do butt chewing as a civilian world? I mean, does that translate the same? Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's one of those questions you already know the answer, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I tell people all the time, don't ask questions you already know the answers to. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was a rah rah guy. I was um, I was the, the old ball coach, if you will. In fact, one of my uh, every year we go through chief season, um, and that's when our newest groups of chiefs are made. And you you get you know um, you'll get assigned to you a selectee to take care of, and you'll sponsor them and mentor them and 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 things like that. So uh, by the end of the year, um, they kind of did a um, a roasting session and mine, mine acted like a, ball, a football coach and, and, and roasted me on it. So I was definitely, uh, that kind of out there guy. I believed in what I was talking about and, uh, and what we were doing and, and had to chew some tail from time to time, but I got much tail chewed a lot too. And, um, one of my favorite sailors recently, I, I went up to, and I said, you know, the best thing about you is you can just take it. And, and it's not from an unethical standpoint. We're not doing, that's not what I'm talking about, but you can sit there and you can take it, you can process it and you can move on and not hold it personal. And I couldn't do that. I'm as competitive as they come. I walked away mad every time I got my butt chewed. Wasn't really mad at the person chewing it. I was mad at myself in most cases for, for getting to that point or, or not, you know, having the, the capacity to, you know, to know enough at that point. Um, no, you can't do that in the civilian world for sure. Um, it's not well received, you know, um, and and so we're not under the same conditions that we are in the military anyway. And you hate to use that as a shield, but it's the reality of it all. Um, military is, in fact, a dictatorship fighting for a democracy. And, and sometimes that's the case. Um, but in most cases, it's not. It's relationships that build it. People do things for you because they want to, not because they have to. Um, but that tool is really not there for you in the, in the civilian sector to use. Um, and I don't want to use it anyway. That past is behind me. Um, there's much better ways to go about it. Um, and, and we'll use those for sure when we need to. Yeah. You know, I, I think we all in the military at some point, uh, well, we certainly, we all receive one. And then as we move up the ranks, we tend to dish it out. I, you know, I'll be honest, like you, I, I get more, you're going to get farther with me by telling me how you disappointed me, not by chewing me out. And I found more often than not, people, people, uh, turn, tuned, turned me off, tuned me off. If ever I raised my voice, chewed them out. And I just found I got a lot, you know, it's like my, my wife's grandpa would say, you know, you go further with, you know, sugar than salt. And, uh, I just found there, there's a lot more, well, you know, there are there's probably, you know, there is a, there are some times that are, emergent like a fire underway or something but more often than not i just found that you can pull somebody aside after after an event and just have a an adult conversation with them and give them a chew out like that without even raising your voice that's going to be a lot more impacting and uh, you know in that end i think that is an an acceptable thing in civilian world as well as you know documentation and and things like that which again you even think about documentation the civilian world hr we have in the military process to document deficiencies 
that you get enough of those and it gets put in your annual evaluation, sometimes your semi-annual one. We give plenty of opportunities for correction. Um, it's not that often that it's like you screwed up so bad, you're out. And when that happens, we, and we advertise what that's going to be through our uniform code of military justice, right? Um, so very good. So um, so you transition out of the military. You, you're doing a lot of self-reflecting. You're looking at your press, writes your future. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just about out of time. But, you know, what is your what is your future look like? You know, if, if you had a blank slate, you're a young man, you got a young family um, for the next 25 years. Where do you see yourself 25 years over the next 25 years? Where, where do you want to see yourself? Are you, are you talking about if I was coming into the military again? No, I mean, right fact? now. Yeah. Wait, right. Yeah. After the fact. I mean, you got to I mean, you made it to E8 and got out at 20 years, which is, you know, most people wouldn't do that. They would like, you know, shoot it for E9 and stick till 30 year beyond. Um, so there, I won't get into the reasons why you got out. Those are your reasons. But you're what, 40 years old? So, you know, you have a lot of life left in the civilian workforce. So what, what do you want to see yourself do? Yeah, I don't have a problem sharing those reasons. That's something I'm real proud of. Um, I, I loved the military. I did not retire because I was done or no longer capable. In fact, it was just the opposite. Um, the way I wanted to do the military was to be gone. I wanted to look for every opportunity I could to, to be out there when something in the world went down. Um, you know, growing up as a kid, a um, little bit of instability there. And so I was definitely sensitive to how my wife and kids were being taken care of financially, tangibly, all that stuff was there. But with me being in their lives and me having the family that I knew I wanted to have, um, it was time to kind of to, to be gone and to be done with it so that I could be there for them every day. Um, basically in, in love with two things, the Navy and my family. And so I knew the Navy were going to continue on. There's no doubt about that. Um, that's That's been 240 plus years of, of handling business in the world. And so you get one family, one shot at this life thing. And so I wanted to maximize that. And so I, I want to continue to do public service, though. Um, I'm, I'm actually pursuing the fire field as we speak and, and trying to do that. Brings in that camaraderie, gives me the chance to give back to community. Uh, and if you think about when I came in at 9-11, I'm on the other side of that fence now um, in the fire community. So, um, you know, it's just it's all been about enjoying what you do. Um, the time off is is nice. Um you know, and so you get some time with your family and, and they embrace the family side of it as well. So just uh, continuing public service, I hope um, it's it's going to be difficult to go in at 38. Um, got a lot of humility to, to demonstrate and um, and my body hurts. So we'll uh, but uh, I think I can still do it. And um, so that's that's kind of what we want to do with the next chapter of our lives in the Bricker family. That's great. Well, being a, as, as Mike Stevens would, would say, uh, a uh, humble, quiet servant leader. And, yes. Uh, you know, humility right up there on top. So, yeah. Well, you know, Nate, again, even, you know, the, the brief reference you made, you made to upbringing, um, looking at the past and how it shapes your future. So, uh, you know, final question and a uh, chance to just tell a little bit of a st little story if you have one. Uh, you know, as leaders, you know, we make lots of decisions. And not all of our decisions are the right decision, but we get away with it. Was there ever something where you made a, a pretty bad decision, but you got away with it and learned from it? Yeah, I was thinking about that today. And, and um, I, I think a lot when I'm driving from here to there, 
a lot of the things that I wish I would have come up with on the spot and I drive and I go bang, there it is. And so I was thinking about this morning when I first got to the hovercraft community, as is like 2011, 2012, we have to do these phase maintenance packages. So that, that it's, imagine your car drives for so many hours and you have to take it down and you have to, to do maintenance on it. And there's so many maintenance requirements that you have to do. Well, we were in the middle of a workup one time and I was a, young new chief engineer and and I was full of vigor for sure and we got set basically we got set down and sent to ACU 5 to stay there back at our unit and um, because the ship was doing other things they were going to go over the horizon so they just wanted us to hang out there and my intentions were good I knew that when we came back from the workup that we were going to have to um, do this maintenance and as you know, there's not a lot of time. There's not a lot of off time. You know, when people say you deploy for six months, well, let's back that up six months because the preparation that goes into that. So it ends up being a year. So I'm a family guy. I wanted to maximize the time. So it was a hot August day. So I said, well, while we're sitting here, we'll knock out this maintenance and and we'll be done with it. So when we come back from this workup for good, we can have some time off. Um, well, it didn't go so well. It wasn't didn't go nearly as quickly as I thought it was going to go. Um, we had some hiccups. I almost took the craft down to the point to where he couldn't get it back to the ship. Ended up getting that back up. Well, we thought the ship was just going to bring us back and recover us for the night. Well, they didn't. They sent us back to the beach again and again and again. And I just beat the mess out of our guys you know, trying to get this maintenance done. And again, it was all out of good intentions and I, and I felt terrible about it. I wasn't, I wasn't oblivious to it, but I just said, I just, I just, you know, these guys trusted me to put them in the right situation and I just beat them all day in the heat. And now we got to continue to work. And, and on top of that, we got to be underway again in the morning. So it wasn't my best moment. Um, you know, but I, but I addressed it with them right away. And I was like, look, guys, this wasn't my intention at all. My intention was to, to maximize your time, at home. Um, and those guys text me to this day, we're in a group text thread and, you know, they'll, they'll jab at me once in a while and, and, um, you know, call me names and stuff, but, uh, we've got a great relationship, but, uh, and there were many other moments as well as I'm sure you, you had them as well. But, um, but that was one that, that stood out to me for sure. That's great. Well, you know, learn from it. Yeah. We, we, we sometimes do that good intentions. Um, you know, best life plans. Yep. Well, listen, uh, you've been uh, listening to Nathan Bricker, Nate Bricker, retired Navy E-8, retired Navy Senior Chief Petty Officer, did 20 years. Uh, Nate, thanks again for joining me today on Lead On Lessons from Military Leaders. And with that, everyone, tune in next time with uh, tune in next time for Lead On Lessons from Military Leaders. I'm David Deary with the List of Leadership Foundation. Have a great day. Produced by Podcast Architects.